This podcast is brought to you by BrunerAcademy.com, your online resource for the best public speaking, presentation, storytelling skills courses. Become a rock star communicator in any setting. Visit BrunerAcademy.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 2023. And welcome to my podcast, Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and it is a new year, and I believe it's an opportunity to create a new you. Maybe you've been chasing success, striving for your goals, only to discover that it's not filling your soul. You still feel empty. My guest today knows what that feels like. As a former CEO, now turned entrepreneur, he knew he was burned out. He went in search of what matters, and in the process, found himself. Luke Iorio, welcome to my podcast. It's so nice to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Liz. Been looking forward to it. For 17 years, that's a long time, Luke, you were part of an early stage formal coaching institute, hugely successful, eventually becoming the CEO and president. But it wasn't long before you were in that role that you say you felt burned out. How did you know you were burned out? The real truth of it is a very specific moment in time. Mm. I was actually about five years into the CEO position, juggling all the things, managing all that work. This fifth year was also a very tough year personally. I had experienced Mm. four funerals within a 10-month period, the last two of which were very, very close to home. The second last one being a father who was just a couple of years older than I was, kids almost the same age as my own, and he was lost in his early 40s. And it was just one of the most difficult funerals I have, I've ever experienced in my life. And then just about another 45 days later, somebody who had been a bit of a role model to me had passed away. That day, that morning that I'm getting prepared to go out to the services, I am on the phone with my business partner talking about one of the issues that happened to be going on, a project that wasn't going well. And he just pauses me and says, you're not here. What's going on? And I just tell him, I'm like, I'm going to another funeral. And I mean, he could just hear the resignation in my voice. He was even like, oh God, this has been a year. Yeah. And he says, I want to let you know, you're displaying all the classic signs of burnout. Your stress level is very, very high. You're shorter in terms of the way that you make decisions, the way you're responding to people, all these classic symptoms. And he goes, so when we get back, we've really got to have this conversation. Well, I go off to the funeral. It was a very, very touching service. It was a beautiful memorial to, to this man that had passed. There was this moment where his youngest son is eulogizing him. And he gives us just beautiful way of summing up who his father was in some simple words. And I sit back and I'm watching everybody around the room and they're shaking their head like, yeah, that's who John was. I know he's exactly right. And I go home reflecting on like, if this was my day, would people know me this way? Would they, they so clearly know who I was? And would I agree with the way that they know me? Well, my wife drops me off. She goes to run some errands and and then pick up the kids. And I'm not seven steps back into my house and I collapse on the ground, Mm. just completely overwhelmed by so much emotion and so much energy that I'd been holding back for decades. It wasn't just the Mm. the stress of what Mm -hmm. I'm going through at work. After I don't know how long of being on the floor, I do the stereotypical man thing. I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to go clean myself up. I don't want my kids to see me this way. I go and I get myself changed and I walk into the bathroom to splash some water on my face. And as I do, I catch this glimpse of myself, this glimpse of my consciousness in the mirror looking back at me. And I connect to something that I hadn't felt like I'd connected to since I was like four or five years old, being a little kid looking in the mirror. 
And as I connect with that part of us, that consciousness that's within every single one of us, I felt this overwhelming energy start to rise up in me. And as it got to my throat, I recognized the energy was rage. I shouted at the mirror, where did you go? How and why did you leave me? Mm. And in that moment of both the surrealness of it, as well as the irony of shouting something into a mirror, uh, (laughs) coming right back at me, (laughs) I hear that message just come back loud and clear. And when I hear it come back to me, it's letting me know I've never gone anywhere. I've always been here. It's you that went on a different path and different journey moving away from me. And it was me moving away from that deeper part of who I really am, that deeper essence and consciousness that we all walk around with. And so at that moment, I just recognized that I had strayed far from what I considered to be the center of who I really was Mm -hmm. and that I was going to do whatever I needed to, to take that road back again. And that's been going on for six, seven years now. It sounds like you had this feeling that in that moment that you were not following your path, that somehow you got off the path and you were on some other beaten path somewhere else. And you mentioned the word home a moment ago, and it almost sounds like you had some feelings of loss of home. What does home mean to you? Uh, Funny, you should ask it that way. There was a loss of home. When I was five and a half years old, my house burned to the ground. Wow. We darn near lost everything. It was the house that my grandparents had built. There's so many moments in my life that have reconnected me to the experiences that that launched me into. You know, at that period of time, that loss of home, on the one side, it made me very resilient. It Mm -hmm. made me very independent. Like all these things that would then fuel how I was successful in this world. Right. And it also separated me from the playful, curious, creative, expressive, weird little kid that I was. And that part of me was bottled up. And it was held back for so long. And so for me, being home is really actually, it's a sense of wholeness. It's how do we bring all of those different parts of ourselves, the parts that we've owned, the parts that we've disowned, the parts that we love, the parts that we may not love quite as much, but how do we bring all of that back into our awareness so we can see the fullness of who we are and we can appreciate all of what we are. And then decide how do we want to continue to allow this deeper part of ourselves to emerge within our life. What I find so interesting, too, is because of those funerals that you went to and connecting with that five-year-old energy, something in you shifted and you kind of flipped that switch. So here you are, you're a spouse, you're a parent, you're providing for your family, and many people who are listening probably are in those similar shoes. But they feel that responsibility that almost maybe paralyzes them. And they say, I, I, I can't make any changes. I have to keep going down this path because change is so hard. How did you know, okay, I have to make a change in my life right now? It was paralyzing. There were a lot of moments where I sat back as the primary provider for the family thinking, how can I possibly just right. scrap the direction that I've been in? It was not an overnight thing. It was not like mm-hmm. the, the next day I went in, quit, walked out. It was no Jerry Maguire moment or anything like that, right? <laughs> It was a process. Okay. The very first thing that I needed to do was to figure out how was I going to put some space back on my calendar mm. to spend more time getting in touch with me, going out and walking in nature for an hour or two, investing more deeply in my meditation practice and some of my spiritual practices, those types of things. I needed to create space so that I could sift through mm-hmm. all these different experiences and all these different attachments and entanglements and all these things that I had Mm. 
and really start to say, okay, underneath it all, when I get back down to this place of essence and simplicity, what's there? Who am I? Right. So I had to create space for that. And I needed to be able to prioritize that just like we prioritize trying to go to the gym or eat better or whatever. I had to make that a priority. And I was very fortunate to have a partner, to have a wife who helped me create that type of an environment for myself. And then over a period of time, honestly, I tried and experimented with different things that seemed like they were emerging and some of them worked well, some of them didn't. Right. So it gave me this little bit of a place to play around so that it's not like you need to jump ship tomorrow <laughs> and like, okay, this is the future direction. We need time to figure it out. Probably the biggest lesson out of it was I didn't put it on a timeline. Mm. I didn't put it as a sense of urgency, but I did put it as a priority. Oh, that's a huge important difference. Yeah. One of the things you also just mentioned, which I think is so important, is that you tried a number of different things in order to find what worked for you. And I mm -hmm. think that's something that I think is so important for people to really understand. There are all kinds of different meditations out there. There are all kinds of different practices that you can have that ultimately it may not work for everybody, but it might work for you. And that is such an important piece. One of the other insights that I believe both you and I aspire to, it's owning who you are. And then the second piece is giving yourself permission to do so. Wow, yeah. you gave yourself permission and you began to own who you are. How did you find the courage, Luke, to do both of those? Once you start to unravel the different roles, the different masks, the different parts that we have played within our life, you can start to say, well, I'm not just that or I'm not right. actually that. So you're kind of peeling back your identity. And as you go through that process and you begin to reveal and reconnect with more and more of who you really are, you know, it's one of those moments where it's like, you can't put the blinders back on. Right. And it, it just starts pulling you forward mm -hmm. because you feel so deeply connected and congruent with the way that you're starting to show up. That's the first part is kind of like draws you in and creating the space to go there. Now, when you then start to put that out and share that, like really own it and put it out into the world classic example is I had the idea for the podcast that I run 10 months at least before I started it, but I knew it was going to be a very personal endeavor. Mm -hmm. And I was going to share a lot of the, this openness, these stories, as well as a lot of the struggles of what I've been through. And there was definitely a pause of, well, people have known me as the CEO. They knew me as the business guy. They knew me as the hustler that would do all the things to get everything done. And now I'm going to be talking about my grief and my tears and my vulnerability and this deeply spiritual process I've been mm -hmm. through. Yeah. At that point, it felt like I had to muster some courage to be able to put that out into the world. I guess the piece that allows that courage, it's like, this is who I'm designed to be. If this is what I've been given, if this has been the experience I've been given, some of the skills to be able to articulate it and talk about it the way that I can, it's almost like I need to put that out. I need to share that and it's almost like I need to share it even for me, even though I want to share it as well, because I want to think it contributes to others. You've said this before, and I think this touches on it and it ties it in. I'm going to quote you here. I have often tried to find the answers much earlier than I was ready for them. Yep. How so? <laughs> uh, you've done your homework. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> well done. Well done. I was rewarded constantly for seeing like three and four steps ahead strategically and like where we needed to be. Right. It was like in me to keep looking for the clarity, to try to get the answer, to try and find the path. And I did that really well in that particular arena of my life. 
then I would try to apply it to this process, the <laughs> deeply right, excavating, exploring type process for myself. And why can't I find the answer? Why can't I find what this purpose is going to be? Where is the meaning going to be held? Where's the answer? <laughs> Where's the answer to these things, right? And all I would do is create that much more frustration. Mm -hmm. I want these really deep answers, but I want it on my timeline. Yeah, it doesn't always come that way, does it? It doesn't, no. It's an unfolding. This whole life is an unfolding. Yeah. And so the more that I released this notion of timelines, this notion of this perceived idea that the answer was going to give me some sense of certainty that frankly is just false anyway, if I could release those beliefs, if I could release the way that I was trying to cling to the idea that the answer would provide something different and instead just allow things to develop to allow them to unfold, allow them to be revealed. That's hard. <laughs> it's very hard. But I, all of a sudden, like so much stress started to melt away. Yes. It was like jumping in the river. Mm -hmm. What's the old prophecy? That it's time to let go of grabbing on the banks and to meet in the middle of the river, to be in the flow of things. Mm -hmm. Well, when we keep trying to grab onto that answer, it's like holding onto the river and the river's just kind of pounding us into the banks because that's not where we're supposed to be. But when we let go and we can find ourselves in the middle of the river, in the middle of the flow of things, then all of a sudden there's this magical part of life that comes alive. And it's, it's also a lot more fun. It's a lot more freeing. Well, today you are now an entrepreneur with your own private coaching practice, and you really do have a focus on men in particular. And you work a lot with them on walking away from those old patterns, those old identities, those old ways of thinking. In your opinion, why is it so hard for men at times to let go of all of those things? What do your clients tell you about why and how it's so hard? The way that I've seen it, the way that my clients have experienced it is so many different messages of the way that we believe we need to provide, the strength that we're supposed to portray, we're supposed to try to protect those around us. It's kind of innate into some of the nature of who we are, but it's also something that's been overemphasized sure. inside of culture. And so to be able to let a lot of those things go, even if we're not even talking about making actual changes to your career or anything yet, but just the idea of letting go of that armor that we've put on so that we can be vulnerable and allow another man to see us in that vulnerability. It's terrifying yeah. for a lot of men because it's so counter to the way that we've been brought up. How would you recommend then that men support other men in not only undoing some of those stereotypes, but finding that true connection for their lives? Because I do think that you have to have that safe space. That's where it begins, is being able to find that safe space. So I run a series of men's circles. They're, they're called these soul circles for men. What is happening inside of that is because it's a facilitated space, we can create a container that is a lot safer for men to walk into and when one of those men starts to open up to be able to put themselves out there a lot more, it begins to give permission to the other men to open right. up at their own pace. Mm -hmm. Not They don't need to open up before they're ready, but it starts to kind of draw them in and recognize, wow, what this individual just shared and is going through is so similar to something I'm going through. I didn't know others were going through that in this way. Right. All of a sudden, it, it creates a much stronger container as more and more kind of feed into it. Mm -hmm. So finding a trusted space. So that could be a circle or a men's group. It could be working with a coach or with a therapist or a guide of some kind. A lot of practices that I use personally are eco-based because when you are out in nature, you're out in the environment, 
there's a, a different level of safety that can be provided and a different level of connection mm-hmm. that you can get into in that space. Honestly, one of the most important things though for men is to not only find the safe space, but to find other men that are willing to do the work that they want to do, to to recognize that power of peers. You used the word resilience a little while back, and that is such an important topic and obviously always has been, but I do believe, especially after what the world has been through over the last few years with the global pandemic, and life is going to be challenging at times for all of us. How do you navigate those challenges? How do you find your resilience? And what advice would you have for others? For me, that resilience really begins with knowing what's essential in my life. Mm -hmm. Meaning that when we have a certain simplicity to the way that we structure our lives, it's a lot easier to maintain that balance, to maintain what's there. What we find is that we create so many different commitments and entanglements and attachments to people, to relationships, to responsibilities, to obligations, to all the different things. That becomes really difficult because you feel like you're pulled in 27 different directions all the time. So if you know that at the very, very center of things, that if we boiled it down to that inner ring of what's most important, it may just be two or three things. And if we can build from there out, it allows us to know that we can always find our stability here. And that to me is actually where I find my resilience because my resilience wanes when I'm overcommitted. It wanes when I'm stretched in too many different directions. If I've either set too many expectations to myself or allowed too many expectations to be set <laughs> yes, with me. exactly. That's when all of a sudden my resilience starts to really, really drop because I just don't have enough energy to put out that way. But if I can get down to the essence and keep the core of things very straightforward and mm-hmm. simple, it's a lot easier to bring that resilience up when it's called for. Let's talk about your podcast. The show is called On This Walk. What is your show about and what are some of the topics you like to tackle? On This Walk, it's meant to be a lot of very deep conversation, very real conversation about the types of transition and change that people have been through. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about fulfillment and meaning and purpose. Uh, We talk quite a bit about balance because these are all the types of things that are the struggles we tend to encounter when we are then either in or preparing for some type of transition or change within our lives. I'm sharing a lot of the personal journeys I described before, Mm -hmm. a lot of the personal journey that I've been on, uh, sharing conversations with some of the guides as well as some of the people that I've had the honor of being able to walk with over the course of these seven years. That is leading to all of these kind of beautiful other relationships that are coming about. I talk to the guests ahead of time and I ask them, what's the biggest conversation you want to have with the world right now? And I want to invite people in because when they share that, it's because they have such a personal connection to what they want to share with the world. And I've been very honored with some of the guests that have come on and just how open and and vulnerable they've Mm -hmm. been with what they're experiencing, how they've been experiencing it, and how they are willing to share that part of themselves to help others. I have to come back to the topic of balance. And People talk about balance all the time and much debate as to whether you can actually have balance in your life and what exactly that means. And sometimes I think the conversation more or less is on the female side of things as opposed to the male side of things. But I'm hearing you say, no, men have the same issue of trying to figure out how to balance their lives, whatever that means, right? Balance in the way that we have oriented or it's been defined by society is a complete illusion. I think of the, the image of Lady Justice, the scales of justice, where we're trying to keep everything in this equal proportion. And if we only you know, box our schedules the right, perfect way, everything's going to be balanced. That's ridiculous. Uh, life doesn't work that way. It's going to move. It's going to ebb. It's going to flow. 
And so for me, I actually relate to it as you think about the image of a surfer. Balance to me is that a wave is going to break. Life is going to break in any number of different directions. But a surfer is able to have such core balance in who they are that they can move in harmony with the way that the energy, the wave, the, the water is breaking at any given moment. So for us, balance, it's completely an inner game. It's not about managing all the parts that are external to us. It's about what is it that allows us to find that place of center, that place of peace within ourselves. You know, I describe simplicity. It has to do with what are the commitments that we make? What are the beliefs that we have? What are the attachments, the entanglements that we have? Are we taking enough space to be able to allow our physical form, our bodies, our nervous systems to resettle? Are we allowing our emotions to settle? Are we allowing our spirit to settle? So there's all these different inner qualities that we can continue to work on mm -hmm. that allow us to find that balance within. And if you find the balance within, I can guarantee you it will take care of itself outside of you. Complete this sentence for me using the first part of the question. Living my best life means what? Living my best life means being in peace, being centered in the wholeness of who I am, and being able to share and create my life from that centered place. Beautifully said. If you would like to learn more about Luke and his podcast and the wonderful work that he is doing right now, all you need to do is go to onthiswalk.com, just like it sounds, onthiswalk.com. Luke, thank you for being so brave today to share with us your own personal journey with the world and helping us all remember that we can really connect to our true selves when we give ourselves that permission. Thank you so much, Liz. And thanks to all of you for listening. May Luke's story and all the stories that you hear on this show inspire you to own more of who you are and live your best life. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.